Hey, bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I'm your host, Ryan. Today's episode, we are going to do something just a little different than what we usually do. I know usually I break down a comic book story, or perhaps I talk about a cartoon episode or a movie or what have you. But today we are going to close out this whole Weapon X thing by talking about a prose novel published in October of 2005 called Wolverine Weapon X. So as I was saying, this book came out October 25th of 2005, so about 16 years ago. If you're a kid getting your driver's license right around now, this book was published right about the time you were being born. And it's an interesting novel. It's written by Mark Cherisini or Saracini, and this guy is a like New York Times best-selling author. He has written all kinds of stuff for Tom Clancy. He's even ghostwritten directly for Tom Clancy. He's also written quite a bit of like Godzilla novels, uh, but he also happened to write this Wolverine Weapon X novel. And it is, in simple terms, an adaptation, a novelization of Barry Windsor Smith's seminal Weapon X storyline from Marvel Comics Presents. If you have never read Weapon X by Barry Windsor Smith. Pause this episode, go back. I don't have it off the top of my head. I want to say it was in my first five, maybe my first 10 episodes, I covered that storyline. In my opinion, it is either the most or the second most important storyline in understanding who and what Wolverine is as a character. Weapon X is something that has defined Wolverine almost for his entire existence. So it's super important, and not only is it important, it's a fantastic comic. Barry Windsor Smith is incomparable in both his visual storytelling, his writing, and his focus in telling that story was nothing short of phenomenal. So if you haven't listened to that, pause this, go listen to that episode, go read it. You can find it anywhere. It's on Marvel Unlimited. It's in print as various trade paperbacks. I believe a new edition even came out about summertime last year or August or so of last year. So it's a storyline that is currently in print. Seriously, go read it. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. If you are up to speed on Weapon X, like I said, this novel is an adaptation of that particular story. A lot of the dialogue and all of the important moments from that comic series are present in this novel. However, it does expand on a lot of those ideas. Now, with this book being published in 2005, that was before the major retcon of who and what was behind Weapon X. And no, I'm not talking about Weapon Plus. I'm talking about Romulus. That whole Romulus thing, that was told in the ongoing series Wolverine Origins which stemmed from the Wolverine Origins and Endings story arc. It's a story that came out in 
I feel like just after this novel came out. So this novel came out in late 2005. Uh, then that means it was written probably a year or two before that. And it went through a very long editing process as things usually do. And while it was already written and in, you know, pre-publication, this new ongoing Wolverine series launched that ran from around 2005 through like 2009. And it told the story of this character named Romulus from Wolverine's past who had actually been this puppet master pulling the strings behind the scenes throughout Wolverine's entire life. So like I said, a lot of that stuff obviously hadn't been written yet. So when this book was written, when this novel was written, that information was not available. And so there are some things in this book where the author is able to take creative license, which at the time were probably pretty cool ideas, but now they fall just a tad short because we know who was behind everything. We know a couple other things that happened. So like I said, this kind of misses the mark in a few places, but it's still a worthwhile read. It's a quick read. I actually recently purchased on um, Apple iBooks a digital omnibus that came with three different Wolverine novels, Wolverine novels that I have never read. The only Wolverine novel I've read up to this point in my life is Codename Wolverine, I think by Christopher Golden. Uh, and it's a book that I was trying to track down. And while I was trying to track down a digital copy of that book, I stumbled across this omnibus. So um, I was really excited to dive in. Wolverine Weapon X was the first issue or the first book in that omnibus. So I was able to uh, get it read and I thought it was a fitting way to close out this, this long running theme that I've been featuring since what may of this year, talking about weapon plus and revisiting some various stories that dealt with weapon X. So I think I've rambled on long enough about some of the prehistory here. Let's dive into this novel. Like I said, it was written by Mark Cherisini. It's called Wolverine Weapon X, published October 25th, 2005. It is a prose novel, roughly 300 pages digitally. I'm not, I imagine it's somewhere around there in print as well, 280 to 350, something like that. It's It consists of 21 chapters as well as an epilogue. So I think we can just jump in and I'm going to do a fairly in-depth chapter-by-chapter discussion of Wolverine Weapon X. So chapter one is called Prophecy, and it begins in a very disjointed way. Uh, at first, you're not exactly sure who the narrator is or what the narrator is talking about. It seems to be skipping from time to time, talking about this event happened or this event is happening right now. Ultimately, once you finish the chapter, you kind of realize that it is a uh, like a retelling of various memories that Logan has. He is remembering his past. He's remembering the fact that he was in the military, that he was thrown out of the military, and that by this time he's kind of settled onto a life of like a drunken stupor where he just goes bar to bar drinking. He does have a pretty sweet car, a Lotus 7, and throughout this first chapter, he's remembering other events as well. He remembers a time when 
after he had been kicked out of the military, before he's kind of going bar to bar, drinking himself into a stupor, he was approached by a also another former military person, a guy named, I believe, Neil Langham. And this guy kind of recruited Wolverine into Logan, into some sort of like a clandestine military, paramilitary operation type thing. Uh, something of like a special forces, like an off the books special forces. And in this beginning chapter is where Wolverine meets this character and like develops a trust for this character. And then we're brought again into what can only be described as present day where Logan realizes that while he's at the bar, he's being tailed by possible government spooks, but he's being tailed by these guys wearing like hats and sunglasses. So Logan decides, Hey, you know what? It's time to leave. I can't get drunk. And as he approaches his car, he is actually accosted by a bunch like a group of men who are able to subdue him and capture him. And that is the first chapter. So like I said, it kind of starts off this really weird disjointed thing where you have first person narration, but then you have internal narration. That's even different because the font itself is italicized. You're not sure if there's like multiple characters telling multiple stories at the same time that are eventually going to overlap or what's going on. It's all brand new dialogue. I don't remember any of this particular dialogue from the Weapon X comic book because the Weapon X comic book just begins with Logan being captured by these possible government stooges. And this other character, this Neil Langham, this isn't really a character that existed in that Barry Windsor Smith storyline. I don't recall this character even exists in the comics, but the reason why Wolverine is also remembering that particular story is because Wolverine meeting Langham and then going on a mission with him is something that is going to be a memory that we continue to revisit throughout the course of this novel. So that takes us then into chapter two, The Hive, which is where we are introduced to characters named The Professor, not to be confused with Professor Xavier. This is the evil professor, the nefarious professor, the guy who is the physical leader. He's the guy that's on the ground leading Experiment X, leading the Weapon X program. Everyone in the program believes that he is, you know, the top guy around. It's only later on that we find out that he even is taking orders from someone else who's even more mysterious. But this is the professor. Over the course of the Wolverine Origins series, we learn that this guy's name is Professor Thornton, and he has ancestors that go back all the way through to like the Romulus days when Wolverine was very much in the employ of Romulus during and even before World War One. We are also introduced to a couple of the other members of Experiment X or the Weapon X Project. I th let's, let's clarify. From now on, I'm going to refer to the Weapon X Project in the course of discussing this novel as Experiment X. What, now that Wolverine is captured, I'm going to be referring to him as Weapon X. And then in the flashbacks of this mission that I was telling you about, I'm going to be calling him Logan. So at least that way we kind of have some, some boundaries, some something established so that, you know, you have a a point to understand what I'm talking about. So we learned about the other members of Experiment X. We meet Dr. Cornelius. 
we meet a guy named Dr. Hendry, who I believe is the like physician who oversees Weapon X's health throughout this whole ordeal. We meet Carol Hines, who is like a technology expert and who whose expertise allows her to aid with Logan's memory implants or Weapon X's memory implants. We also meet Dr. McKenzie, who is the resident psychologist or psychiatrist, and he advises Ms. Hines on the various memory implantation thing. And I think we're introduced to a few other minor doctors. There's a Dr. Chang whose name is thrown out, and there's one other doctor, but neither of them really factor in later. Like their names don't really come up again. But at this point, Experiment X, Logan, has been kidnapped by this this group of uh, government spies, government spooks. He's been brought to the Weapon X facility to undergo Experiment X. And at this point, all of these doctors and so on who have been introduced are discussing the upcoming adamantium bonding process. We actually see Weapon X being transported in like a tank of this weird goop that kind of keeps him sedated. He's got all these various prods and probes inserted into all kinds of various parts of his body, even through his skin, all of his orifices and everything. And we also hear that like his nose and his mouth is is closed off because he has a breathing tube and all that. So at this point, we don't know how Logan became Experiment X. All we know is that he was kidnapped and now here he is in this tube. And that ends the second chapter. The third chapter is called The Wrangler. And this is yet another introduction. This is an introduction to a character named Cutler, who is a Wrangler. And the Wranglers are, for lack of a better word, the security force at the Weapon X project, but they also are responsible for keeping various animals alive and in cages. Animals that we learn include wolves and bears and tigers, and they're also responsible for transporting and guarding Experiment X in between all the various experiments. Uh, Cutler is a character that I don't recall from the comics, so I don't know if he's like an original character that the author created specifically for the story, or if he's someone who was like a very minor character in a later Weapon X storyline in the comics that I'm just not familiar with enough to recall the character off the top of my head. But either way, that is where we get with chapter three. It also introduces Major Deavers, who's the guy responsible, who oversees all of the Wranglers. And then we're introduced to a rookie Wrangler named Agent Franks. And as we're going through this chapter, Cutler recalls the actual fight in which they had to subdue Logan to make him Weapon X, to, to bring him to the Weapon X project. And it's pretty brutal. In the comic, it lasts for like two or three pages. And so they definitely, the author makes sure to describe all of those actions from those pages, you know, the various punches and kicks and headlocks and whatnot. But like I said, he expands it. He takes some creative license and adds a few extra things. It introduces a few other Wranglers as well. There's like an Agent Hill and an Agent Lynch. But other than the fact that they have names, they're just faceless characters. Uh, just a reason so that later on when we're reading various dialogue, we have like a reference point. Oh, someone else said it, not Cutler, but a different character who has a name. 
So that then leads us into chapter four, The Fugitive. And so in this chapter, we actually learn parts of the backstory for Dr. Cornelius. We learn his name is Abraham B. Cornelius. And at one point he was a whiz in his field, which was nanotechnology, which is something that I didn't realize because I don't think, I knew that he was responsible for some of the technology thanks to the Weapon X comic. But one thing that this novel does is it really dives into the science behind what the Weapon X project really did. We learn that Dr. Cornelius developed this really intelligent and easily programmable type of nanotechnology. But we also learn that he has a bit of a dark past. He is himself a fugitive on the run from the law. It is believed that he killed his wife and son um, and that he went to trial and he actually escaped after his arraignment somehow and is and was living on the run until Weapon X tracked him down and recruited him into this particular experiment. And then after we get that brief backstory for Dr. Cornelius, eventually the scene changes back to all the various scientists. And this time they are discussing the how the bonding process is going to go. At this point, they are preparing for the adamantium bonding process, which is perhaps probably what the Weapon X program is best known for in the comics. Whether or not you've actually followed any of the storylines that involve Weapon X, you at the very least, if you've read X-Men, you pretty much know that Weapon X is the group, the organization that kidnapped Wolverine and put the adamantium on his skeleton and his claws. So obviously that being such a major, such a large factor in the Weapon X storyline, it makes sense that we see all the different aspects of the bonding process. So before we even get to it in the novel, we actually have some of the scientists discussing how it's going to go, why it's so important for Dr. Cornelius to be a part of the experiment. It turns out if you were to cover human bones in adamantium, the human bones would die. The human bones, weirdly enough, they need to breathe. There are all these various holes and canals that allow the bones to breathe. It allows the bone marrow to stay alive so that the bone marrow can create your white blood cells and fuel your immune system. So if your bones were to be laced with none of that breathing room, none of those little microscopic holes and things to allow for that process to occur, your bones would die and you would die from the inside out. Well, it turns out the nanotechnology that Dr. Cornelius developed can be programmed to cover up those, not cover up those holes, but kind of plug those holes so that when the adamantium bonds with the skeleton, it leaves all of those microscopic pores open so that the bones themselves don't die. Pretty interesting. It's not something that they ever actually get into in the comic book series. They're just like, hey, we put the metal on the bones and that's it. You know, they throw Logan down into a hole in the ground. They put some adamantium into a little basket and then the, the professor stands up there and he says, you put the metal on the bones. You know, Hopefully you all understand that reference. Otherwise, I'm going to sound like a real big weirdo. Um, either way, 
I, I, I found this like prep part actually to be pretty fascinating because like I said, it's not something, at least to my recollection, that they've ever gone into detail with in the comics. So I thought that was really cool. And then from there, it actually leads into chapter five, the mission. And so this is where we finally start to get our B plot. If you remember back in chapter one, I had mentioned uh, one of the memories that Wolverine takes us through while he's narrating is him meeting Neil Langham. And so this is the chapter where we finally get that plot. Turns out that Langham and Logan are now partners. They don't say if they work for the US government, if they work for SHIELD, doesn't say if they work for Department H, nothing. All we know is that they work for, quote unquote, the government, and they have a mission to infiltrate this military base in North Korea. And the way they do that is they're given these Stark Industries or Stark Tech like glide suits and they're dropped into North Korea and they fly on down and as Logan is flying around in North Korea trying to get to his like landing zone he is he's not attacked but there's this one point where he's flying very low to the ground and at one point he's approaching a bush and some random person is hiding behind the bush and the person stands up, Logan collides with this person, and they go tumbling like over a cliff. And then that segment of the storyline switches, and now we are taken back to the bonding process, and it's like right before the bonding process is about to start, there's some weird setback. Turns out that Logan's healing abilities are actually bringing him out of his sedation, and they have to up his meds and figure out a way to keep him sedated because he keeps healing around that sedation he keeps like metabolizing these agents who are trying to keep him sedated there's like thorazine and pheno b and stuff i don't know if these are real or not but apparently they're like very strong sedatives and anesthetics and stuff that keep you keep you asleep and wolverine keeps metabolizing or excuse me weapon x keeps metabolizing it and like waking up so they had to come up with a way around that before they can get into the adamantium bonding process. But they're able to overcome that little hiccup, and that takes us directly into Chapter 6, which is called The Experiment. I like that it's called The Experiment because, like I said, this is the most important part of the Weapon X history, is the adamantium bonding. The reason why it's so important is because Logan is the only character in the comics who they've ever really able to bond the adamantium with. I know at one point Sabretooth has it, but that was given to him by Apocalypse. It doesn't really count. Wolverine is unique in the fact that so far he's been the only character, and there's been several characters with healing factors. Logan is the only one who's been able to withstand the process, to survive the process. It's a way that makes him unique, similar to Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers is the only person who's ever been able to take on the super soldier serum and have it work correctly with no side effects. Uh, the adamantium bonding process has only ever worked on Logan when carried out by Weapon X. Like I said, Sabretooth has had it before, but that was Apocalypse who did that. Obviously, Apocalypse has... Um, a lot more power and knowledge. I would imagine that Mr. Sinister would probably be able to do it as well, but it's never, he, as a character, he's never really attempted that. This has only been a Weapon X thing, and it's fitting since the original plan for 
this mysterious benefactor, this mysterious character who was behind Weapon X in the first place was originally envisioned by Chris Claremont to be Mr. Sinister. I mean, excuse me, Apocalypse. And so when Barry Windsor Smith wrote it, he actually kept that aspect of the storyline open so that Claremont could fill that storyline in. But of course, very soon after Weapon X came out, Chris Claremont left the X books and eventually the identity of the director was never revealed until much, much later when we got the whole Romulus stuff from Wolverine Origins. So as the bonding process is going on, this is where uh, the author starts really using all the dialogue from the comics, which I appreciate because as I was reading it, you know, I remember, I'm not going to say like I have all the dialogue memorized and stuff, but it's good enough dialogue that Barry Windsor Smith put into the comic that you remember it. Like you remember the process, you remember how it goes and you remember the way the scientists talk, even if you don't remember the lines specifically. But then as you're reading this novel, it all comes flooding back, which is really great because as you're reading the novel, you can actually start picturing various panels from the comic, which, I mean, Barry Windsor Smith art is always going to be better than my mind's eye. Like what I see in my head while I read the, this novel is never going to be as good as the artwork that Barry Windsor Smith already gave. So I always, I, I really like that as as I was reading this comic, being able to, to see those images in my head as I was reading along. And they do a really great job in this chapter of staying very true to the source material while also taking some creative license with some of the issues that arise. But ultimately, the chapter ends with the bonding process completed. The next chapter is called The Mutant. So we're back in North Korea Logan meets the person who he had collided with earlier. It turns out it is a female Japanese agent by the name of Miko Katana. Now, I don't know how common Katana is as a surname in Japan, uh, but it does seem like a bit on the nose, but oh well. We also get a little bit more of the Cornelius backstory. We learn how Dr. Cornelius had actually met the professor a long time ago um, in his youth and everything. Uh, but ultimately we learn about the fact that like the professor, excuse me, uh, Dr. Cornelius actually had a son who was very sick, a son named Paul Philip Cornelius, who had a, like a birth defect. He had, he was born with this degenerative disease that they would not ever be able to cure. So they're starting to add some, some sympathetic elements to these, these characters who are otherwise just these evil, cold-blooded, unemotional scientists. So I like that they started adding some of this backstory. Obviously, some of this stuff contradicts the character development that we eventually got in the comic books as stuff was filled in, but a lot of that came after 2005. A lot of that came between 2005 and the 2014 Death of Wolverine storyline. A lot of this stuff was filled in by Wolverine Origins. So up to this point, if you're reading this novel, this is really the first time you're actually getting some of this Dr. Cornelius backstory. So then we go, we go back to like the post-op after the bonding process. There are still a few more issues with Logan, you know, bleeding and stuff that they they we can see that they pushed his healing factor to the brink. And they weren't even aware that he had a healing factor. So we're actually told of mutants for the first time where Professor Thornton 
tells everyone else like, oh, by the way, Logan's a mutant. That's why this healing, that's why all of these post-op abnormalities are occurring. And then before the chapter ends, we are taken back to Japan where Miko Katana informs Wolverine that she is there to rescue someone from this North Korean base and that she can actually help Logan on his mission since they both need the same things. From there, we're taken directly into chapter eight, unforeseen consequences. And you can probably guess what those unforeseen consequences are. Basically what happens is one of the lab techs who is monitoring Wolverine post-op calls to Dr. Cornelius to say that, hey, um, Weapon X's hands are bleeding and I don't quite know what's going on. And then eventually claws pop. The tech, while on the phone with Cornelius, is freaking out. And Cornelius is like, why don't you, uh, you know, go check it out? In the meantime, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. Everything's going to be good. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, at that point, like the professor comes and grabs Cornelius because he's also watching and he's like, hey, um, these claws pop. So let's go check it out. But before we go check in on the tech, I need to explain something to you. And this is where he's like, hey, remember earlier when I was like, Logan is a mutant. Let me tell you what that means. And so we get this big exposition drop for people who are reading this book that didn't recognize the term mutant when the professor threw it out in the last chapter. He explains to Dr. Cornelius what homo superior is and what mutants are, and that there is, in fact, someone above the professor's pay grade, someone named the director. And the reason why Professor Thornton, like, peaced out during the bonding process is because he realized that there was stuff that hadn't been told to him, and he needed to save face, but he also wanted to confront the director like over the phone. And the director's like, calm down, bro. I'm in charge. Don't worry about it. Just keep doing what I've told you to do. Everything else I already knew it was going to happen. So stop freaking out. Um, the professor doesn't share all of this information with Cornelius, but he shares with Cornelius enough to let Cornelius know, yeah, it's a mutant. I knew it was a mutant. I didn't tell you because you didn't really need to know, which is a lie. Uh, he didn't even know, but basically tells Cornelius, like, calm down, everything, you know, we all know about mutants and whatnot. And then the chapter ends with them, like, finally getting to the room and seeing the dead tech before security is able to come in and shoot a bunch of tranquilizers at Weapon X, and they're able to just go about their business. Takes us into chapter nine, which is Revelations. At this point, the professor comes in and he says, look, the adamantium bonding process was a success. From here on out, we are going to streamline Weapon X's rehabilitation and we are going to streamline Weapon X's programming and all of that. So Dr. Cornelius from now on is in charge of all technological stuff and Ms. Carol Hines is in charge of all of the psychological stuff. Everyone else like Dr. Hendry and Dr. McKenzie like you guys answer to them now. Um, so think of me as in charge, them as each my second in commands, and the rest of you just kind of follow their lead because the three of us are going to take it from here as we mold Weapon X into the perfect weapon.
There's also a part where while they are monitoring Logan, they kind of realize where his mutant healing factor comes from. And that is inside of his bone marrow where the white blood cells are made. There's actually a particular type of white blood cell. I think in the book they mention it's the neutrophils that are responsible for Weapon X's vast healing capabilities and that you can pretty much manipulate these these types of white blood cells into being any kind of healer that you need them to be, which of course is enticing to Dr. Cornelius based on the fact that his son at one point had this like uncurable disease and that he's now dead. So we're starting to see that like Cornelius isn't really that bad of a guy. And and I'm saying that relatively, like obviously he's part, he's willingly part of this program, this experiment that is clearly torturing this person and literally turning this person into a weapon. And yet when he learns about the mutant ability, he's like, holy cow, we like, we can cure diseases and stuff with this. Like this is going to save mankind and, and revolutionize life and all this stuff. So like, I feel like the author kind of felt bad for Dr. Cornelius. And so he's throwing a lot of sympathetic twists and turns towards Cornelius. But I mean, ultimately Cornelius is a bad guy. Like he tortures Logan and, and is exp- uh, is really important into turning Logan into Weapon X. Anyway, before the chapter ends, we go back to North Korea where Logan and Miko realize they're kind of being hunted down by the North Koreans, that the North Koreans have discovered that there's this mission going on. Wolverine, excuse me, Logan thinks that uh, his partner Langham was captured and so now the north koreans know that there's at least one other person out there so he's like oh no the north koreans are hunting for us then the chapter ends and we are taken to chapter 10 which is called illusions so during an attempt by the weapon x doctors to create like this illusory imagery inside logan's mind using this strange computer program called the rem or like the reifying encephalographic something. I forget what the M stands for. Machine, I guess. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Wolverine's mind, Weapon X's mind, like takes control. And again, it's a scene taken directly from the Weapon X comic book where Weapon X's mind is only having one thought, which is pain. You know, like it's able to, this technology is able to like broadcast the contents of Wolverine's mind onto various monitors and computer screens and, and television screens and stuff. And so Logan's mind is able to like take control and, and like purposely send images. And he's sending images of like this, this skull type thing that's just in all kinds of pain. And it's just screaming the word like pain over and over and over until somehow weapon X himself starts coming out of the sedation a little bit and realizes that, Dr. Cornelius and the professor and Heinz are there. And so the mind is able to like accuse the professor, like you did this to me, pain, why? Like make you feel pain. But then the storyline changes again. And this time it kind of focuses on Heinz. And so we learn a lot about Carol Heinz backstory. She used to work for NASA before she was quietly let go, but she worked on this, 
uh, like virtual reality stuff that is what they're going to use to condition Wolverine and up change his memories and stuff and turn him from Logan into Weapon X. We also find that she has, I'm not going to say a questionable past, but she was a victim of familial abuse when she was a young child all the way through her teenage years and everything. So I'm not sure what the intent of that particular storyline was. Perhaps the author was trying to say, so that's the reason why Carol Hines is a sociopath is because she suffered this childhood trauma. And so, you know, she had to detach from human emotions. And so that's why she's able to just like sit here and, you know, sleep at night, despite the fact that she's torturing this man. Uh, But either way, it adds an extra layer or two that uh, we didn't really get in the comics. So I liked it, even though it was kind of jarring to read about. So that takes us into the next chapter, which is called Prey. Logan and Miko discover that the patrol or the sound of the cars that, that Logan had heard earlier are now much closer. Logan and Miko are in this like cave at the top of this mountain. And at the bottom of the mountain, the the North Koreans are already there. Um, and so Logan decides that he's going to go like attack them and, and draw them away, or he's going to go do something, stop the, the patrol or, or whatever it is. So he like runs out of the cave and then we are taken back to experiment X. And in this case, another scene directly from Barry Windsor Smith's story, weapon X is taken out into this like yard where he's left in the sub-zero temperatures and you can hear all these like wolves and stuff howling and barking in the background. And one of the characters mentions that like the wolves can smell the wolves that they have in pens, not wild wolves. They can smell weapon X and they're like really hungry. So it's just setting up the next chapter. So then we're taken to a chapter called predator. In this case, we actually see now that the wolves are uh, like freed from their pens and they're allowed to attack Weapon X and they bring him down. Like Weapon X is just kind of standing there. He's not fighting back. He's not responding to the controls. This wolf pack surrounds him and takes him down and they're starting to like eat him alive. Then we go back to the North Korea mission. Wolverine was about to attack this patrol when he heard a bunch of dogs and stuff in the background. So I guess that pertains like the dogs barking and howling reminds him of the wolves howling, even though the North Korea stuff like clearly takes place way before the Weapon X stuff. But this is where it starts to get interesting because while Wolverine is in North Korea, he's actually starting to have all these weird memories and he's hearing Carol Hines and he's hearing the doctors like talking. So I'm kind of thinking that this whole storyline of Wolverine in North Korea, or at least Logan in North Korea, is just one of the various memories that they either implant into his head or that they manipulate, or perhaps it's one that they, like one of the final memories that they removed from Logan's mind, which is why we're seeing him go through it. I don't really have a definitive theory, but like we start to see some of the stuff that's happening at Weapon X starting to like bleed into these storylines. So like when Wolverine hears those wolves, when Logan hears those wolves, or excuse me, those dogs, it like jars him back. So he goes back to the cave. um, And then at this point he like tells Miko that he's a mutant and then he can heal and stuff. And she's like, Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. He's like, yeah, except for when you outlive everybody that you love and 
everybody that you've ever known. And she's like, oh yeah, I could see how that would suck. Then we're taken to, oh, by the way, then we go back to Experiment X and Wolverine Weapon X at that point. They're finally able to like get the programming to work and Weapon X fights back and like slaughters the wolf pack. Like 10 wolves just slaughters the wolf pack as programmed. That takes us into the chapter 13 called Golem. It's a chapter in which we are introduced to like this communications tech named Rice. Now, this name should be familiar to all of my fellow Laura fans out there. Laura, a.k.a. Wolverine, a.k.a. X-23. She was created by a Weapon X offshoot at a site called The Facility. And the guy that was in charge of The Facility was a guy named Dr. Xander Rice. And he is actually the son of a tech who Wolverine, or excuse me, who Weapon X killed during his escape by the name of Rice. And so I'm assuming... This is that character, this, uh, this tech communication tech named rice. Anyway, back in North Korea, uh, Logan again learns that they are being hunted by the dogs and in experiment X, they finally learn how to control Logan's motor skills. They are able to build in this computer program where they can actually override weapon X's motor skills. So an issue like with the wolves, if it were to happen again, they could override his signal and like make him run away or make him pop his claws and all that kind of like a, a safety override. If for whatever reason, the programming isn't working and weapon X's killer instincts aren't kicking in automatically, they can, they can override it. And so we see them uh, testing that out. And then of course that takes us to chapter 14, the hunt. And in North Korea, Logan leads the dogs away. Like he goes down there and waits until they get his scent. Um, and then he is able to like lead the dogs in the opposite direction away from where Miko is hiding. They've decided that Logan is going to lead them away and eventually get captured. But that should give Miko enough time to get to this North Korean base and like infiltrate the base so that when Logan is captured, she can then come in and rescue Logan and Langham. Back in Weapon X, again, another scene taken directly from the comics. This is the scene where they are testing Weapon X's abilities to hunt and kill prey, which they use a grizzly bear. Um, at that point, the professor says, you know, Weapon X is ready to begin the most dangerous game and hunt men. Back in North Korea, Logan has eventually led all of these like North Korean troops on this wild goose chase. He finds out though, that he was actually being corralled in a particular direction, which is to this strange clearing where he actually has to fight off a bunch of helicopters. And then back in weapon X back in experiment X, um, as weapon X is being brought in after this fight with the bear, he manages somehow to get loose. And this is where the book finally starts to get, well, not finally starts to get exciting, but this is like why you read the novel, right? The escape from Weapon X. Like this is why you read the Weapon X storyline. So we're taken then to chapter 15, which is called Weapon X. And Weapon X goes on this massive rampage. I'm not going to go into all the details. It's like the longest chapter in the book. And it goes into a lot of detail about the security personnel and like, the order of the rooms and things that Weapon X goes through and 
how he is able to defeat all these named characters and whatnot. All we need to know is that in this case, Wolverine manages to defeat like 30 security guards. He gets to the room where the professor is hiding. He manages to remove the professor, one of the professor's hands. Uh, but before he can defeat him, a few more security people show up as well as Dr. Cornelius and Heinz. And Cornelius, Hines, and the professor are able to get into an elevator and escape like further into the compound. They actually retreat down to the like adamantium smelting reactor because apparently it takes a lot of radiation. It takes a lot of nuclear fission to run a smelter powerful enough to liquefy adamantium, I guess. And then the next chapter is called Apocalypse. So at this point, Weapon X continues to track down the professor as well as Dr. Cornelius and Heinz. And he manages to uh, defeat Dr. Cornelius, who pretty much sacrifices himself in order to save Carol Heinz. He tells her the truth, which is that he actually didn't kill his wife and child. Um, it was a whole misunderstanding. His wife actually killed their child and then herself. And so Dr. Cornelius decided that he would take the fall. But then while he was going through his trial, he's like, nah, I want to live. So he escaped. So he explains this to Dr. Or he explains this to Carol Hines before he then like sacrifices himself to Weapon X so that um, Hines and the professor can escape. At that point, these like weird battery things that were uh, powering Wolverine's helmet, Weapon X's like big silver helmet that you've pro you're probably all familiar with. Uh, the batteries die out. It actually stops Weapon X in his tracks and he falls over. And then his brain starts to heal and it like kicks back his memories. And this is another part that like, even though this book was written after the origin miniseries was released that established that Wolverine was born at the earliest in the 1880s, but probably closer to like 1885 somewhere between 1885 and 1890 is really when Logan was born. Uh, this book just kind of sets up Logan to be this like eternal warrior who has been around for like 900 years. So Logan starts to suddenly remember all of these different lives that he's lived from like ancient Greece and all, all throughout the world and stuff. And like, I don't know if these are supposed to be false memories that were implanted into weapon X to make him such a great killing machine, or if these are implied to be actual memories, they don't really specify. So it's probably left up to chance at this point or not less up to chance, but like left up to your interpretation. I would interpret this as memories that were implanted into weapon X's mind, but that's just my interpretation. After that, we are taken to chapter 17, The Storm. So at this point, Weapon X uh, is finally able to track down the Professor and Heinz. The Professor then sacrifices Heinz, um, and she passes away. Unfortunately for the Professor, he's not really able to defeat Weapon X. And at that point, Logan then kills the professor. He cuts off his other hand and like throws him down into this pool of like liquid hot adamantium 
and everything. And then at that point, Logan in North Korea wakes up in like a North Korean cell. Turns out that Logan did not beat those helicopters. He like was able to take them both down, but he was so exhausted that at that point he was swarmed by the rest of like the North Korean army, or at least the soldiers that are at this base. And they bring him into a cell. Logan wakes up and he's in the cell with Langham. And then the duo is rescued by Miko. Um, So she's able to free them from their cell. She finds the person who she was trying to rescue. Turns out it was her father, but her father was in such poor health that she had to do the honorable thing and like kill him with honor because he's a samurai and stuff. And then the three of them run to this like stairwell that somehow leads them up to the surface because they're in this like subterranean North Korean base. I always like how these random military installations, all these random military bases always just have like the one service staircase just in case, you know, you'd think that like OSHA regulations and stuff for like fire codes and all that wouldn't exist in this like secret military base, but apparently they do. So back in North Korea, Logan Langham, I think I've been calling him Langham this whole time. It's Langram. So I'm sorry about that. So Logan Langram and Miko are able to get into like a troop transport and they start heading to their landing zone, their extraction zone, because the whole time that Logan and Miko were kind of doing their whole thing, Langram was actually able to complete the mission. They actually find out that this facility in North Korea Uh, that they infiltrated is like a sarin gas producing facility, which is what their mission was to do was to go there and figure out what the North Koreans were doing in this facility. So anyway, they're able to get a transport. They start heading to the landing zone. uh, But before they can get there, they come across like a, a barricade and there's all these like North Korean tanks. So the North Korean tank actually like hits the transport and they drive into the woods and, and crash the transport, and then we are taken to the next chapter, which is called Endgame. Oh, in in Breaking Point, there's all this weird Logan brain stuff, Weapon X brain stuff, where after he defeats Hines and all that, and he's and and the professor while he's there, he starts being chased subconsciously by like the animal version of himself, and then he passes out. So that takes us into chapter 19, Endgame, and we learn this whole thing ever since the escape, going through all the guards, going through Cornelius, Hines, going through the professor. It was all a simulation, a simulation created by Carol Hines at the behest of the professor to test if Weapon X did in fact have that killer instinct. You remember after the bear, the professor tells Cornelius, like, I think it's time for Weapon X to start hunting humans. Well, obviously they can't hunt real humans. So they have to use this like memory simulation, which is why Heinz is there in the first place. Uh, And then he is made weapon X that is, is taken out yet again. This time he fights a Bengal tiger, but this time with like minimal intervention from professor and all that. Like even when he was fighting the bear, they were still sending him impulses and trying to control his movements to a degree. Like they're the ones that made his claws pop out right away, stuff like that. While he's fighting the tiger, this is like the first time 
that they've pretty much just programmed him and sent him out. So he's programmed to not feel fear. He's programmed to, to, you know, discern a threat. He's programmed to kill efficiently and quickly and all that. And so it's a super successful test. Obviously he was able to pass the simulation as well. And so, you know, at this point, the professor and Cornelius and Hines, they're all kind of, you know, clapping each other on the back and all that. And then Hines begins to say, well, you know, um, I do have something that I have to tell you all, something that I have to confess. The, the memory implants, well, we tried this once at NASA with some astronauts where we plugged them into this thing and we had them like sit through a failed launch. And afterwards, there were like side effects. The three people that we put through this program, it like was designed to help them get over their fear. And it ended up becoming this weird self-fulfilling prophecy. Like these, these astronauts that went through it, they actually became fearless in real life. And they all ended up dying like these horrible deaths. Like one of them was playing chicken and the other one became like an addict and all like all kinds of stuff. So that takes us into chapter 20, which is redemption. So despite the fact that in North Korea, their transport crashed, obviously Logan eventually healed really quick and he was able to uh, drag Langram and lead Miko to the landing point with a few minutes until their like extraction helicopter arrived to take them out of North Korea. But unfortunately for them, the North Koreans were able to follow them. They actually kill Miko and uh, Logan like runs into the woods, but then he loses control and he pops bone claws three out of each hand. He goes berserk and he ends up defeating like this entire patrol of North Koreans almost as savagely as the simulation where he destroyed all of the security guards. So then it finally ends. The helicopter for the extraction arrives and the person who actually rescues Logan is Cutler the Wrangler. And that leads us into chapter 21, Interlude and Escape. And all that stuff that Heinz was saying about the simulations becoming self-fulfilling prophecies, well, they finally do. When Weapon X defeated that tiger in the last chapter, Cutler came out to get him and bring him back in. But at this point, Cutler and Weapon X share like some eye contact and somehow that stirs something in Logan. It also makes Cutler realize that he recognizes Weapon X, that he knows Weapon X is that Logan guy that he saw a long time ago in North Korea. And that's enough, I guess, for Weapon X to like break out of his programming. And the first person that he kills is Cutler. And then he goes on a rampage just like the simulation. So self-fulfilling prophecy cuts through all the security guards. Eventually he gets to Cornelius and Heinz and the professor and does the same thing to them that he did to them in the simulation. That is the end of the book. That actually takes us to, I guess, chapter 22, the epilogue. Basically Wolverine at this point, Weapon X, escapes the facility that he's in. And as he's running into the forest, there's like a helicopter that he hears approaching, but luckily there's like this winter storm coming. He's able to escape into the storm with not necessarily all of his memories intact, but at least the fact that he is a man and that his name is Logan and he's able to escape into the Canadian wilderness. 
And that's it. Like that is Wolverine Weapon X, the prose novel by Mark Cherisini or Saracini. So I know this was a fairly long episode, but like I said, like it's a pretty decent book. They expand on a lot of the Weapon X lore. And since this episode has already been pretty long, I'm going to keep it on topic. I'm going to say that is it. I enjoyed the book. It's worth checking out. Um, you can still find print copies for fairly inexpensive on you know, places like Amazon. It's a 16-year-old book, so I doubt it's still in print. So you probably wouldn't be able to find it on like Barnes and Noble or any other, you know, current bookseller. Uh, but you could definitely find even new copies or used copies on Amazon. Like I said, I bought my omnibus digitally. So that included this book as well as two others that I'm looking forward to getting to, uh, but definitely check it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a, a, a real fun read took a couple of days for me to get through it. And uh, I really enjoyed reading the book and uh, talking about it here. So, Bubs, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, you can find me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked or reach out to me via email at TalkSnicked at gmail.com. T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T. I will probably again take next Wednesday off, and then from there I will come back hopefully with a new theme, but definitely a new episode. Not quite sure exactly what direction we're going to go, but I do know that our time with Weapon X and Weapon Plus has come to a close yet again. In the meantime, make sure you follow up with this feed on this upcoming Saturday, October, shoot, October 9th. <laughs> and uh, check out Saturday morning Snicktoons. So I will be covering season one, episode six of X-Men, the animated series that is cold vengeance. But for the first time ever, I will be welcoming a guest host to take on hosting duties with me. We talk about our love of X-Men and my guest explains his X-Men fandom, his uh, favorite X character. We do this whole top five. It's going to be great. And then of course we break down the episode as per usual. So make sure you tune in this upcoming Saturday to Saturday morning Snicktoons. Lastly, make sure you stay till the very end and check out the track Back from the Dead by Retcon X, very talented musician who created some original music based on and inspired by the X-Men. That musician is named Retcon X. Check out his Spotify playlists if you can. Until next time, bubs. <laughs>